0: Welcome to the Gallery Girl podcast. Gallery Girl is a London based website and curatorial platform dedicated to contemporary art from across the globe. In this podcast, we're going to focus on female artists, curators and practitioners who highlight art with roots in West Asia and North Africa. Enjoy. Just a little disclaimer before we get into this podcast, Tua was calling me from a cafe so at some point the sound may not be the best quality, but nevertheless I hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Gallery Girl podcast, today I'm joined by Tua Barnoza, a Libyan artivist and founder of Warwick Art Foundation. Hi Tua! Hi, Lizzie. Finally. (laughs) I'm so excited to have you. So, um, I wanted to start from the beginning. What was your first introduction to art and what got you interested in making art? And yeah. I think like my interest in art and, and
1: creativity in general started from a young age. And I was always experimenting with different things not exactly understanding what this might mean in the future, yeah. you know, uh, speaking of myself as a as a teenager, as a child, that is uh, interested largely in different art practices. I've always had this thing to curating without me yeah. understanding that actually this is curating. Or um, a few things that I was doing as a child that really... Um, now I look back into it and and I see like how how it shaped me as an artist at the moment and how it was always there without me noticing them. But I think also um, specifically, in a professional point of view, it was around 2014
0: mm-hmm.
1: that I started, you know, acting on it and okay, like this is actually what I want to do with my life. Uh, and that art for me is also a career. It's it's a practice. It's sort of what I what I want to continue doing. Um, it was uh, to that, So also to give more an overview about two thousand fourteen. It was it was a year that changed a lot
0: mm-hmm.
1: of our lives in Libya. You know the revolution happened in two thousand eleven. I was quite young at the time, but then two thousand fourteen there was another. Civil war. It was really brutal and cruel, and it was happening in Tripoli, where I was based and I was living. And sort of like our life stopped for a few months. You know, um, there there are always clashes and conflict in yeah. Tripoli, but like back at the days, it was the most intense. Uh, the airport was bombed. Uh, all of the embassies shut down. Um, started operating from Tunisia. So. Um, Back at the days, I was supposed to travel, continue my education abroad. That didn't happen as well. Um, but I think like this, these months that everything stopped, everything was happening in a slow but fast rhythm at the same time, allowed me to actually uh, explore a lot of the anger that I have, that I had back then, and and sort of all uh, give it an artistic form, one way or another um let it be an artwork, let it be a project that I was thinking of that has things to do with the culture sector in Libya uh, So it, it was all linked somehow to 2014. And I think this is also with, similar to many Libyan artists that uh, especially the ones that are like in in, in my age and our generation yeah. like a lot has changed back then so it influenced what are we doing now and how we think of mm-hmm. our lives and where we are.
0: Yeah, and so was there an art scene growing up or like were you exposed to um visual arts when you were growing up in Libya or not? Uh I
1: think I think it was quite limited because Libya before two thousand eleven and I think until now was always a very isolated country. Mm-hmm. And when I say isolated it's it's not just like isolated among our neighboring countries and the region, but also uh, internally, like we don't know much about each other's from like one city to another. There isn't like ways to commute, to communicate yeah. in, in different aspects. And and also the cultural sector was was not prioritized at all during Gaddafi's regime. It was actually oppressed. Mm-hmm. Some some people from the older generation might have other other saying in this, but yes. from what I expol from what I was exposed to as a child, I it was, it was limited to some extent. Um, yeah, it was always either socially unacceptable or religiously unacceptable. Uh, we didn't have a lot of uh, galleries or, or, or also institutions that would sort of create this cultural ecosystem yeah. in, in the country. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was until, like, I grew older that I was, you know, and, and I figured out that, okay, I have this interest and I want to continue in this, that I started actually digging deeper and finding my own way and sort of asking around, like, about who who are these artists or where do I go to have, you know, specific references. Uh, so basically, you have to find the, the knowledge yourself.
0: Yeah. So yeah, what? and
1: also it was really difficult for people who were involved in the art scene To have anything sustainable mm. to do with the art scene. It was always sort of under attack
0: Yeah, what prompted you to start work, your foundation?
1: Um, I mentioned to you that in 2014 I wanted to travel and study um, and I was I was like thinking of either studying contemporary art or something related to curating and culture management in general. And um, of course, back in the days, there was a lot of bombing and chilling and uh, it was intense. Um, And it was impossible to travel anymore. And my family had these savings for my education that Uh, also started to lose its value because of the changing of the economical scene and and how, how, you know, um, everything changed. So uh, we had this budget and I wanted to sort of find a way to have something for myself and actually if there were no universities such as the ones that I was seeking for, Uh, and no opportunity to travel abroad we were still stuck at the same point waiting for our lives to somehow become better Mm -hmm. so i figured out that since there's no spaces that are young young individuals oriented or spaces for emerging artists and why not create it myself you know it it, it was a way of uh, learning by doing And sort of navigating different alternatives of how can we actually create an art scene that also focuses on uh, young artists and emerging artists in the country. So we started in Tripoli. Uh, I was quite young at the time. I would be, I would be honest, like I have no idea what I was doing. I was yeah, seventeen wow. when I first started. <laughs> exactly, and and I graduated high school quite early mm-hmm. at sixteen. <laughs> Yeah, like, uh, I, w- I was two years ahead of my time, basically, <laughs> in high school, but uh, all these experiences and what we've lived, and it came out of necessity, basically, mm-hmm. that there has to be a space to meet, to discuss um, all, the, all the political uh, things that was happening, how how it influences the society, how it influences us as young people being in a civil a war that actually mm. feeds on our life on a daily basis. So it was a space to reflect, share, exhibit, um, yeah.
0: So, um, what was the response like when you first started this project?
1: Um, I think there was different layers to this because, um, among young um, young artists such as myself and other people it was welcomed it was needed a lot of people started coming to the space uh, getting involved into exhibitions for the first time exposed to um, different practices different art practices and then um, it started also contributing to bridging this gap between the young generation of artists at the moment working in Libya and the older generation that was always so, like of course as, as young as we were back in the days we always thought ah these artists who just want to show us what to do and you know yeah. because they're older and they think they know better mm-hmm. and, and they've seen it all while you know it's it's also mixed a lot with like what like how, how the war was very, very intense. And, you know, sometimes there are no electricity, complete blackouts for, I don't know how many days, then weeks, then sometimes it continues for more. Uh, so there were different responses. Most of the young artists really liked the space and, and what it, what does it represent for them, the freedom that they were uh, given as well. But in, a, in another layer, Um, it was also very challenging to work in this environment. Um, I think one aspect is that also I was like very young back then when, when when it all started, I had no idea how to actually sort of communicate with all these social taboos, the community, and what does it mean to have this art space and you know, downtown Tripoli, and then do exhibitions that were, for example, quite provocative at the time. Right. Uh, we did this exhibition about human rights violations mm. in the country, so it was mainly about kidnapping, bombing, rape, different things that were constantly happening and, and never stopped until today. But um, it was there was also like this response that this is a space uh, for prostitution or this okay. is a space where there is gender mix so uh basically it's not allowed to operate right. and eventually uh, the space itself of Warak was shut down in 2017 after this exhibition mm-hmm. about human rights violations uh, and actually we learned a lot from this experience because um, we learned not to confront society in a very direct way. Actually, it okay. takes it takes time, and it has to be baby steps yeah. into like, what do we want to do and what do we want to say? And you know, these are also like uh, been very tough years for Libyans and we need to understand that. Um, and another aspect, we started having a different approach. Uh, we opened another space afterwards, but it was like more low profile. Okay and low-key project space, but not open to the public as much as the first one was. Yeah. But then also we tried to find alternatives of how can we continue actually uh, targeting the public audience, because at first the main focus was always about the artists and what we want to do and about these exhibitions, and we didn't give a good thought about, like, actually, what would the audience think? And speaking of the larger audience, of course, not just the people who are interested in art or yeah. specifically have this interest and have this previous knowledge, uh, but more of like the larger Libyan audience. So that's when we sh- sort of shifted our interest a bit and our way of working and started doing projects in public spaces yeah. in Tripoli's old city. And since then. We were trying to always be in this loop of, okay, there is this situation now. How can we find an alternative solution? How can we navigate a way to make it work? Uh, we did this uh, art out project, which was about uh, exhibitions and the public space and the public sphere of Tripoli's Merina. Um And Limdina and Tripoli it was always this cultural, Destination, uh, or yeah, because because there are like um, some culture spaces that are owned by the government, and these are open for the public. uh, But then we wanted to actually engage with the locals, how how are we preserved, received Mm -hmm. as as, you know art community, and we did these uh, series of exhibitions, film screenings, and talks that we're all um, in different alleys so you would go from one alley to another and then you know talk to the people and then they get engaged i would say that it it was really difficult as well speaking that yeah. even th- that happened in 2018 but mm-hmm. also at the time there was a lot of conflicts happening it's it's never it's never completely safe
0: yeah uh, yeah wow so now you're based in berlin how
1: Or not? Yeah, well, Berlin takes a lot of like it takes a lot of time to settle in Berlin. But yeah, I've been here since uh, a year and a half
0: exactly now. It feels like
1: a long time, really. Yeah. So, how
0: how is your work with your foundation working with you based in Germany?
1: So. In terms of water, we're still based in Libya, Uh but now we're establishing ourselves in Berlin as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, We want to have this space in Libya active as soon as hopefully, anytime soon, things will calm down a little bit. Mm -hmm. And specifically after uh, a whole year of shelling and bombing, Mm -hmm. there must be some cultural activities that should happen after you know after things cool down but also from another aspect and i've mentioned to you that libya was always this very much isolated country and most of the time in berlin because now also like berlin is sort of becoming this hub of non-western art i'm always confronted with the same um sentence of oh actually this is the first time i meet a libyan like oh, wow. yeah <laughs> i hear this in a, in a weekly basis almost oh, and, and specifically from like you know people who are engaged in the yeah. art scene so i do know that we're not quite many in the world we're just yeah. 6 million millions, but um that's why also like we're establishing ourselves here so we can have this engagement also more presentation of Libya and, and, and the regional yeah. um, art scene or the art scene of Berlin,
0: yep. And so how, how is the Berlin audience reacting to your artwork and the art that you're presenting to them?
1: Yeah, so when it comes to my work as an independent artist, um, I think it's been quite good mm-hmm. uh, for somebody like me who just came to the city last year. Yeah. yeah. I think, um, yeah, because with the recent works that I did from last year onwards, they were also like tackling issues of identity and and what does it mean to be tamazir, for example. And this is an issue also that uh, it increased while I came here because like there's always these labels of okay you're an Arab but then like I have to say that no I am actually not like you know how to relocate yourself even in terms of uh, a cultural perspective so these dialogues became very important somehow and it influenced my work largely Um, yeah um, and last year I did Few exhibitions I, I took place in few exhibitions and um, they were all either um, uh, like about about like Tamizra and, and you know uh, issues related to uh, the Tamizir civilization from a historical point of view from a political socio political point of view and what is happening at the moment for example there is. Uh, some works recently that were more of a documentation of the civil war and uh, Trying to actually touch sensitive um, view of like What is the thin line between uh, being numb and being resilient, for example?
0: So I actually wanted to speak about your work and you mentioned the fact that you're from Libya, but you're not Arab You're Tamazite and your work um, shows this calligraphy, which is really beautiful, but a lot of people might not know about it because it's not something that a lot of people see, and it's a tamizé language, right? Um, yeah. What caused you to start putting this into your work?
1: Yeah, so um, it's it's with the, with the two words that, for example, you spoke about that Tamazight Tifinagh evidence and Tumas,
0: mm-hmm. and Tumas
1: means identity. Uh-huh. Um, I I started writing Tifinagh actually a few years ago. Uh-huh. I always spoke the language; it's it's my mother tongue. Yeah. But we grew up learning Tamazight first, and then learning Arabic at a young age. Mm-hmm. And even though, like most people in DBR are, um, don't know this as well because like they think that okay we learn arabic and then the other wow. way around yeah um, but actually this is the language that i communicated with since i was a child mm-hmm. and and now the fact that i was never thought how to how to read it how to write it mm-hmm. because of of course like of, um Gaddafi's regime in the past and how we were always like oppressed um we never had any recognition. Um it influenced a lot about how I see that now and how we are trying a lot um during these last year to get some of our very basic rights, mm-hmm. such as like, you know, having our names in Tanazir, mm-hmm. having our um, you know, having our language spoken, uh, having signs written in this language, it's, yeah. it was all profited, prohibited wow. before. So I wanted to highlight that through these works. Um, and the, Temes, uh, t- sorry, the Tifinar evidence, it, it's basically these um, uh, these letters, so it's all the alphabets. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tifinar, Tifinar is the alphabet. Yeah. Uh, and and it's all these alphabets uh, and letters in plastic bags, such as the ones that used in crime records yeah. and, and yeah. exactly. And uh, it basically states how this language was always seen as a threat. It was. You know, a lot of people were being, and until now, are being arrested for suspects speaking this language or being Etnodiret activist, And not just, I'm not speaking just in Libya, but it's also in Algeria, for example, where even during this uprising in Algeria, there was uh, a lot of young activists who were arrested and and was accused of threatening national security just for raising the Etnodiret flag, for example. So it is, it is an ongoing conversation that never stopped. And uh, it's even like to highlight how, um, I don't know if you know about the Tamazird spring that was in the 80s. And no, then know. there was the Black Spring. Oh, yeah. It started from Algeria um, at different times during the 80s and then the 2000s early 2000s and also like a lot of people were protesting and there was a lot of uprisings happening to have, you know, the language, to have the basic rights as a, as a person. And you know, it's an ongoing struggle basically. And uh, the other work to mass because it was showcased in a presidency exhibition uh, that was mainly tackling identity issues and politics of identity. And uh, it was called a journey of belonging. And the poem, the poem that I use in this specific work, was written by uh, this one uh, Libyan-Tamazil poet and author who was who um, was assassinated by the Gaddafi regime. And I believe, like he was, he, he wrote. He it speaks basically about how the leaders are making fun of. Identity and making fun of a civilization that actually belongs to this place and to the land, yeah. as as you know, the ancient original civilization, mm. and then um, how how he invites actually artists to celebrate and start festivals that yeah. celebrates this language yeah. and and sort of you know it it really it's really empowering for me because yeah. it's kind of sad but also it has a lot of strength. Yeah. And uh, in my practice and also even in my daily life, I I find a lot of strength from just going back into these poems uh, and all of these activists and what they have done and how they fought and continued to fight.
0: It's almost like you're continuing their work
1: exactly somehow and you know like having this all of this dialogue about what does it mean to be in Libya it's just so toxic sometimes for example because like yeah now we want to speak your language and we're forced to, to learn your language and you can just speak it in your areas but like what if it's the other way around how would you feel about that right and how is everything at some point is being Arabized Like, from from what people wear to what people eat. At some point in Libya, even, like, the Libyan traditional stuff was being labelled as an Arab. and You know, it's something that belongs to the Arab civilization, even though it's not. Yeah. And this was sort of systematic uh, technique by Gaddafi's, Gaddafi's regime to... You know, sort of state out that we are actually an Arab country, but then of course he shifted into having to reunite Africa, and like this was like, okay, you have to decide. (laughs) Are we that? Yeah. Oh
0: wow. Yeah. Right now we're in this horrible global pandemic. I'm in London on lockdown. You're coming slightly back to normal in Berlin. What have you been up to during this really weird time?
1: Like how have you have you been making work? Have you been I don't know? Uh yes. Actually it was uh, this lockdown was very productive uh-huh. for me. That's cool. Yeah, like the idea of being sort of locked down somewhere is is not that new because we had to somehow, without a pandemic, but we had to live it a few times when, when I was back home. And, you know, if there's like an ongoing war, then you might take a once where ev- like oh, everything stops. Yeah. And you don't know, like everything becomes uncertain and you're just in this state of like waiting for what might happen next. So yeah. this time I felt like, okay, somehow I can deal with it. Mm-hmm. And um, I was actually doing the whole lockdown in Prague.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah, I went there to see friends, and then I just decided to stay and not stay alone in Berlin, okay. uh, in my own flat. And uh, it was it was good timing because um, like this 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 uh, slow rhythm allowed me to have my own fast rhythm, but in a very healthy way, um, and also what we've been working on um, was, um, I have this exhibition coming up in August in Berlin, and it mainly tackles uh, the theme of protests, Mm -hmm. and we started actually uh, uh, doing it since uh, last year, when there was a lot of uprising happening in Sudan, Algeria, Lebanon, uh, Chile, and all over the world. But where I was personally interested in navigating was silence as a metaphor of protest Mm -hmm. and how would people actually speak out when they do not have the ability to speak either because of oppression because they might immediately be killed if they go out in the street and protest so i'm working now on these two installations for this protest show It mainly uh, focuses on the tags and the writings that are written in Libya's walls. Mm -hmm. And what do they say? Some of them actually are very sarcastic. Some of them are very dark and sad, but politically, socially, religiously, they all somehow um, give this narrative of what Libya is at the moment and what do people really suffer. So I've collected like around 200 images of like all of these walls and um, I'm selecting some of them for this installation that would be um, uh, mainly tackling these issues of silenced protests and how the walls are protesting, walls are listening, but walls are silencing and absorbing at the same time.
0: Amazing. And where is this exhibition going to be?
1: It's at uh, sixty eight Project Space in Berlin, okay. and hopefully will be in mid August, would okay. August. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is it a group
0: and, exhibition?
1: Yes, it's it's three artists, me and two other artists from Syria, oh, yeah. uh, Hiba Ansari and Wa Al uh-huh. Amazing, exciting,
0: and. Um, is work um,
1: working on anything as well? Or is... Yeah, since this pandemic started, mm-hmm. we actually expected that the pandemic would sort of calm the situation down in Tripoli. Yeah. But uh, the exact opposite happened uh, hospitals were being bombed, schools, universities, civilians, neighborhoods. And all of these neighborhoods were being planted with mines, so, and explosives. Like, it was really intense to see what was going on and adding to it another layer, which is corona. And you know, like you tell people to stay home, but like where to, and at some point, like everybody I know was displaced and had to leave their houses. And yeah, it was this intense period. And uh, the problem is that nobody spoke about it. It was barely seen in the media. No. This was really provocative to see what was going on, the daily massacres, the brutality, and how much it uh, how much it gets into us as, as Libyans, but also as people working in the arts. So we started this project called kashkul mm-hmm. kashkul of Collective Resistance. Mm-hmm. And kashkul in Arabic uh, is used to describe um, a journal or uh, a notebook where you write down your first ideas and first sketches. So it's more of drafting down ideas, and, and um, yeah, it's it's basically a journal. Um but we started since April to gather contributions, visual and text-based contributions by people who are living under the bombing shelling and corona as well. And then we gathered all these contributions and now we started the second phase where we are inviting four artists to work collectively together to have to actually to come out with a publication out of this um out of all of these contributions but in a way that is merged that it actually gives um sort of this collective narrative of where libya is at the moment mm-hmm. wow. yeah so now the project is still ongoing and uh uh probably like it it will be done uh, by end of august okay have the publication ready digitally printed, Uh, because it's also, I always think that uh, a war that is not documented, it's it's sort of denied and, and forgotten about, and this is the case with Libya, that most of the time I meet people who have no idea that the country is even at war. They think it's just like, you know, a little bit of instability or things like that. But, like, once you mention the amount of brutality that is happening, it's just insane. And it's even insane how people are not aware of it as well. And it, there's another layer to it that in Libya really suffers from lack of archives. You even feel that somehow uh, it was intentionally being erased. Yeah. and sort of destroyed, whether it's um, things that are related to politics or specific traditions, things like that. You know, it's even hard to, for example, access archive of um, Gaddafi's time, even though wow. it, that was just like, you know, nine years, ten years ago, and yeah. it's considered very recent. Yeah,
0: That's And it's even
1: harder, exactly.
0: Yeah, so you're doing
1: and it's even more important. The era and all of that.
0: Yeah, yeah, just letting people know, and through art, I guess, is a way that people can really connect in a way that they might not if they hear it on the news or something. So it's super important. Um, exactly. So, thinking about like in five years' time, where do you see your practice and also, if you can even think that far in time?
1: Uh, Well, I don't want to be, I don't know. I mean, with everything that is happening at the moment, it's really hard hard to plan long term. But speaking of expectations and, you know, in general, uh, I would say that in terms of what we have this plan that now we're just saying we are registering in Berlin, but we're expanding also to work with narratives that are more related to the African continent Mm. and the Middle East Um, and I'm saying the African continent and the Middle East because I think that most of the organizations that relates to Arabic speaking countries usually use the term MENA region and they somehow exclude the people who actually wants to connect to to more of like the African narrative um so this is where like we're trying to focus on even like you know sort of navigating about this um pan-arabism and pan-africanism and how it's influencing
0: it.
1: so like this topic is influencing a lot of the projects that we're planning um yeah, so like the, the next step is definitely you know establishing ourselves in Berlin we're really starting and doing that and, Hopefully, it would continue um, in a more positive way. Yeah. Uh, regarding my own art practice, I feel like I'm taking it each phase at a time. Yeah. i not rushing with anything because, uh, generally speaking, I feel like I'm rushing a lot. <laughs> no.
0: You're doing yeah. so much, but you're so young, it's insane to think how much you've done.
1: I don't know. Sometimes I feel like that's really good, but then uh, in other days I feel like, actually, I have so much for and there are experiences that I have to take it very slow with yeah. in order to reflect on it and, you know, give it the proper time to be well-cooked, I would yeah. say.
0: Yeah, yeah. I completely understand. Well... You've already got such a great foundation, so I can imagine the future is just gonna have so many exciting and important projects too. I yeah. think I think your work really does like let people know about things that, especially like here in in the West Western Europe, like we don't really see in the media. So yeah, it's really really important. Wow! Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your time. It was so great to speak to you
1: yes finally <laughs>
0: finally and um, for everyone who wants to learn more about Tua's work and Warak's work um, Tua's Instagram is Tua underscore Branoza and um, her art foundation Warak is at Warwick Foundation and I will add links to everything thank you thank you Lizzie